Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi. And joining me this evening to take your stock-related questions are Jared Houston from All Weather Capital and Rick Azriadis from PSG Wealth Remsach. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, Rickus, uh, Jared, good evening to you both. Uh, nice to see you there this evening. Rickus, if I may start with you. A pretty good day on the market today, if you can if you can hear me. Um, and it seemed a pretty pretty good day globally. So uh, European markets doing well, U.S. markets doing well. Notwithstanding the interest rate increases that uh, we've had in the past two days from the Fed and the ECB, but it seemed those were expected. Um, I was speaking to Jared before we went on air, Rickus, and I was saying, "Is good news? Hi. Good news? Hello." Yes. <laughs> Did you hear any of my question? <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, I'm. I mean. Okay, well, um, I, so and not to belabor the point, but um, Rick, as you are on air, so have your smoke, which I guess you can't do in the studio. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Um, a good day on the market today, uh, up almost 1%, and it seems there's a global sort of effervescence about. Yes, indeed. Um, I think <laughs> the US GDP growth, which absolutely surprised to the upside, um, and the perception that we're pretty close to the end of hiking cycle as far as interest rates are concerned. The rumors of um, <coughs> China adding to or trying to add to their growth rate, all good news, basically. Mm. Uh, Jared, um, if Rickers is going to have a, a, a stinky cigarette, you might as well uh, crack open the whiskey <laughs> or a glass of wine now. Um, but uh, the JC in particular had a pretty good day today. And uh, retailers um, did very nicely, which is quite welcoming <coughs> to see because we've seen this these shares so beaten up and, and, and ignored, beaten up or ignored. Uh, and there's actually a question from a viewer who said, um, or who asked, um, why have our retailers such as Mr. Price and Vashini in particular uh, been getting bids of late? Has the situation in the country improved? I surely haven't noticed. So would a punt into SA Inc. suggest that we're entering a bull market for retailers on the JSE? Um, I certainly wouldn't categorize it as a bull market yet, but it is uh, certainly positive to see um, share prices moving in the in, in the right direction. So I, I think it's a couple of things. I mean, clearly the shares are beaten up uh, after a very difficult year. Um, and then I think positioning is very light. I mean, in terms of where asset managers are sitting, I think it's a consensus trade to be underweight retailers and everyone is realizing when t conditions are tough, it's very visible, the pressure that the retailers are under, the cost pressure as well as the top line. Uh, so I mean, we've seen some very difficult results uh, come through trading updates across the sector, but despite that, the shares have held up relatively well. Mm. Uh, what, what I think is starting to happen is people are starting to look through the near-term pressure and they're starting to think about what the shares are going to look like in 12 to 18 months' time. I mean, once they start to cycle much easier bases across uh, the comparative period, and also some of the one-source costs come out the base. I mean, certainly load shedding has been a big hit to the food retailers in terms of one-source costs. It's also been a hit to consumers in terms of one-source costs installing solar panels in their homes. So we are going to start to cycle an easier base, uh, and we should see better earnings growth thereafter. So mm. I think it's a little bit of that coupled with perhaps a little bit of positioning that's contributing to the moves. Yeah. Rickus, do you think maybe it's a little bit early, that positioning? I mean, markets are forward-looking. So um, uh, you on the ground, or you and I might not see, uh, we might not feel the mood has improved, we might not see higher footfall, but um, I mean, uh, okay, so, so, so there's two parts to the question. Firstly, do you think it's a little bit early to be... Uh, buying into the retail shares on the basis that all the bad news is now kind of in the system and all the capital maybe 
um, has been spent uh, to counteract the effects of load shedding? Like, I guess that's, that's the first question. Yeah, I, I think first of all, I totally agree with everything that's that Jared has said. As you know, as far as both margin and possible volume growth is concerned, um, is it early? Um, again, I'm I'm not sure whether it whether now you know today tomorrow is the correct time to start increasing positions because all, all I'm seeing is at the moment just a rally from a very low base without um, apart from a few counters um, but most of our retail counters are still at the moment just recovering in a downtrend however if you take a look at things like ShopRite which is trying to break to a new high something like Chewers which is which is surprisingly also trying to do something um, similar the rest of them, I think, are just recovering at the moment. So if I were to take a position in any of those retailers, I would take a look at those counters that are growing market share, those that have a lot of their um, capital cost as far as load shedding is concerned behind them. Mm. And then maybe um, if I want to increase exposure to what is still a very difficult market, I would take a look at those counters. Yeah. Jared, you're nodding. And before I get to another question, um, for you, what would those uh, companies be? Because there's quite a, a wide array. I mean, you could say that pick and pay, for example, is not taking market share. Uh, that's the one maybe in the grocery retail sector under a lot of pressure. Um, and in, in apparel retail, who do you think are going to the ones that are going to win out? Uh, I think kind of you called it out in, in the food space. I mean, clearly, clearly Pick and Pay has, has surrendered some market share to, to the likes of ShopRite. Spa has had their own internal challenges as well. So you've clearly seen one winner in the sector. Agree 100% with Rickus. You need to be picking your spots in, 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 in this type of environment. I mean, it's both about market share, but it's also companies with uh, strong balance sheets to come through tricky periods. I mean, Truers on, on the apparel side, I mean, clearly has got a very strong balance sheet and a large buyback program. Uh, in the face of a low share price is certainly accretive to its earnings and, and I think that supported it. I mean some of the, the clothing retailers I think have been a bit mixed in terms of their operating performance. I mean someone like uh, Fashini seems to have gained market share in terms of operationally. We will see when the update does come out but I mean I think again you've got to pick your spots and just watch some of the operationally challenges businesses. Mm, okay moving on to REITs uh, and there was the news today of Liberty Two Degrees uh, going to get bought out by Liberty. Um, and the share up 42%, but as someone pointed out, it's not even close to its net asset value. So don't get too excited. Um, but the question from a viewer is, REITs look cheap? More corporate action, uh, can it be anticipated? Is Fortress a likely takeover candidate? Rickus, firstly, um, on, on Liberty, uh, do you think that's a cheeky bid um, from, I guess, the former parent? Yeah, last I can remember, in a or net asset value is somewhere in the region of high six rands or low uh, it's, seven rands. It's seven. It's saying. seven rand. Seven rand or seven rand fifty or thereabouts. Yeah, well, um, on that basis, um, you could probably say that. But let's face it, the um, the company itself is not really. Um, performed well at all ever since ever since listing. So. Um, I think if you've if you've been stuck in it, um, you might as well take the money and run and, and, and go into something that looks a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Um, local REITs, 
yeah, I think office space is still a problem. So I would stay away from from that. Maybe retail is starting to look interesting, or or otherwise you're very specialised. Countless locally things like Spear, for example, even something like um, um, uh, um, <laughs> storage, equities, storage. There we go, triple S. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so specialist sort of niche players. Um, Jared, mm. uh, the viewer specifically was uh, getting at Fortress, which has had its own challenges having this A and B structure, um, a lot of shareholder unhappiness over the inability to collapse that, um, and, and the company itself, you know, accusing shareholders of not being able to collapse it. So um, blame yeah. games all around. Do you think Fortress could be a, a, a takeover uh, candidate? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Fortress is a more challenging example in terms of a takeover target, uh, just, just given the, the dual share structure. I mean, it is quite complicated in terms of how you would pitch a deal to both sets of shareholders and essentially set a ratio. It's also a bigger deal in terms of market cap to do, so a little bit complicated in that sense. But I don't think poor productivity is totally out of the question. I mean, Fortress is well positioned to the viewer's question I mean, in terms of the asset base that it has, relatively conservative accounting now in terms of how it capitalizes interest. So a clean earnings base with a good portfolio, including industrial as well as Nepi Rock and a good retail portfolio. So I think it is well placed. I mean, how they solve the corporate structure issue is is, is a question mark uh, for the management team. And I'm not too sure how they solve that in the short term, but certainly the asset base is well placed. I mean, in terms of the broader corporate activity question on REITs, you know, I, I, I wouldn't read too much into the Liberty Two Degrees transaction. I mean, as Rick has pointed out, it hasn't been the most successful listing. You listed at 10 Rand, so it would be taken out at 555. Mm. I mean, it's not a glowing report of success. Um, but I, I think, I mean, it's certainly the right thing to do. The share was caught in no man's land with the low free float just because of Liberty's holding and a low market cap. Uh, its cost of equity is significant, so it can't raise capital either. So it's caught in a very difficult position, still has a good asset base and also low gearing profile that made it attractive to take out. So I think this is a this is a good, clean solution for shareholders, but I certainly wouldn't categorize the listing mm. as a success. No, no, you certainly wouldn't. I mean, someone's done well out of it, uh, possibly advisors and lawyers, but, uh, but not shareholders. Um, on, off the top of your heads, do you think there are any other um, glaringly obvious candidates for buyouts in the retail sector? Rick, uh, Rickus, and then back to you, Jared. It's not my speciality, so um, maybe Jared can tell us a little bit more. Jared, do you have any sure. views? Yeah, sure. So, so I, I think you mean there are. I think there are several candidates in in the property space that that. I mean, our potential uh, takeover targets, but why, why I'd caution it is, I mean, interest rates are high at the moment. Uh, so, I mean, the ability to fund takeover deals is challenging. Um, and then, I mean, internally, the, the, certainly the large REITs are focused on cleaning up their own portfolios as well as lowering their own gearing levels. So, I mean, external M&A is probably not top of mind. So I'd say it's unlikely in that sense. Where I think there perhaps is opportunity is is probably at the smaller cap end, like we've seen with, with Liberty Two Degrees. I mean, certainly there's some REITs, I'd, I'd probably call out something like a Depula, I mean, that's trading on a, a high teens yield. I mean, with a, with, a, with a good portfolio, a great management team, I mean, and a clean set of accounts that would be att attractive for someone to take out. But mm. at the moment, I mean, it just looks like uh, difficult for the larger REITs to do those deals. Private buyers uh, or even offshore interest is what, is what you'd need uh, to get to get takeouts in the space. Mm. Okay. Then a question before we head into the break. I'm not, um, what does the panel think of Royal Buffer King's shocking results, especially if you consider Impala Platinum buying the share? Well, 
generally the PGM groups have all had horrible results. Um, Rex, I mean, is it a, a moot question? It's, it's gone. Uh, or, or does it mean that you look at implants with maybe slightly more jaundiced eyes? Well, um, it took so long for implants to seal the deal that it, you know, they went through a whole cycle, basically. So it might have been brilliant when they started the negotiation, not so, um, not all that good at the moment. So yeah, Royal Buffking, as you said, is is gone. So I think it's it's pretty more historic than anything else. The real question is, what about all the other um, platinum group miners? Um, Platinum's going to be in a deficit next year. Um, we know that. Also, and I also think that the Russians are selling palladium and radium like mad in order to fund their adventure in, in the Ukraine. So there is that almost artificial pressure on platinum prices. Whether this, whether that whole sector is at a bottom, it can't say, but I'm pretty sure that we're a hell of a lot closer to it than we were a year ago. Jared. The viewers seem to be um, disappointed with what they called RB Platz's shocking results in light of Impala buying it. And as Ricketts pointed out, you've gone through almost a whole cycle for PGM players. So, you know, the investment case uh, was is quite different now than what it was maybe 18 months ago. Or maybe this is a cautionary tale, basically, for any mining deal. Uh, don't base your long-term forecasts on the events um, or the prices of that particular time. Either way, do you think Implats does it... Uh, make you cautious to buy them, given the asset that they've just acquired? What is your feeling towards the PGM sector? Uh, I, I think probably share the views that uh, Rick has mentioned uh, before the break. I mean, certainly the outlook for PGM prices is challenged at the moment. Many of the stats coming out uh, of, of China and the US and, and, and broadly in Europe in terms of EV adoption, I think it's surprised to the upside and certainly that's going to create uh, further pressure going forward. So certainly a challenged outlook. I mean, in terms of RBP, I mean, it was a disappointing operational result quite clearly. I mean, I think it's probably less relevant to the RBP price, but like you say, relevant for Impala at the moment. What I'd probably just excuse the management team for is, I mean, clearly the, the deal uh, and the speculation around that have been ongoing for some time and, and corporate activity is often a, a large distractor for the management team and probably took the eye off the ball a little bit in terms of the operational performance short term, but that's me just reading between the lines. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, just another question. Uh, a viewer asked how long it might take for RB Platt to be delisted. Does anyone have any particular idea? No, I'm no. not sure the exact timelines. Okay, all right. Um, then there is a question on uh, Rhodes Food. Um, is it a good entry point now for the company? Uh, Rickus, do you follow? I mean, we've got quite a plethora of food producers on the JSE. Do you look at Rhodes? Um, I do. Um, I, f I find it interesting, but again, as you know from um, with my technical hat on it, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's had a great recovery from um, a pretty low point about two or three months ago on the back of better results, specifically the export market, which is always the one that at um, was always the part of the company that interests me. Mm. So no trend there yet. I think it's very well managed, but um, they are to a certain extent um, uh, directed, but with with the export market but it's a it's a, i think it's a well-run operation but as with the other food producers um um struggling to well at some stage 
they will probably have to slow down the the price increases on product that they've been able to to pass on to the consumer their um the operating costs are still under pressure as we all know load shedding and yeah. so forth and so forth um so um yeah i think in the right kind of circumstance you know if 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 we do see better spend coming through from the consumer if if we if we just stop having trouble exporting stuff in in the case of roads um it would be for example i think a preferred entry point for me rather than something like tiger brands which i still think are hamstrung by a lot of operational issues mm. Okay. Uh, Jared, your thoughts uh, on roads particularly and the food sector in general? Because there are, as I said, quite a few options on the JSE. Yeah. yeah I, I don't follow roads food group very closely, but maybe I can just talk to the broader food space. I mean, as as you mentioned, I mean, Tigers has, has, has had a lot of uh, internal uh, trouble. Just, I mean, clearly it's a difficult uh, consumer environment. I mean, the ability to push price uh, on branded products is, is certainly challenging and then you've obviously had cost pressure as well as uh, some internal challenges in the business. So I think broadly the food sector has been under pressure and clearly there's been a, a long-term private label story within some of the uh, the food retailers as well that's caused a bit of additional pressure. So it's been a difficult space and I, I think even with the consumer under pressure likely to remain challenged for a little bit longer. Mm, yeah, I mean we've got a longer term chart up of roads and unfortunately it's just been one-way traffic um, to its present level of about 10 rand a share. Uh, Jared, sticking with you, because I, I can't ask uh, uh, Rickus this, uh, about PSG consults, unless Rickus, you want to tell all. Um, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the question is, what's the view of the panel regarding future prospects of PSG consults? They seem to be doing very well, got lots of assets under management and inflows. Um, what are your thoughts, Jared? You know, I, I, I think PSG Consult's a tremendously well-run business. Um, I mean, a superb management team has operated extremely well across the three businesses. The asset management business I means come through a bit of a performance dip extremely well. I mean, they've got a strong team there uh, that seems to have a strong, uh, solid process in place. Uh, the wealth management business delivers fantastic uh, net flows very, very consistently, and the advisor base continues to grow. And then the insurance business, I mean, it is a specialized commercial insurance operation that's found its niche uh, and seems to earn particularly high returns. And its underwriting margin is probably sector leading in terms of what it delivers. So overall, I think it's a fantastic business. There's still a long runway for growth ahead of the business. Okay. And I certainly wouldn't bet against this management team continuing to execute well. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's had an astounding share price run compared to its peers. And so, um, and there's a viewer asking about one of its peers, uh, well, sort of, being 91. Uh, so I'll ask you, Rickus, uh, whether you think it's a buy at current levels. 91 and Coronation being under a lot more pressure than PSG Consults, although, they are, I mean, they are slightly different businesses. Well, I like 91's investment philosophy and team. I just wish they would, they could stop the um, drain and drain under on assets under management. They um, still are pretty far, you know, all these um, companies like Coronation and then 91, they are influenced by the market itself. Um, you know, they will do well when markets do well. As I said, I like 91's investment philosophy, but unfortunately it's, um, it hasn't been the correct, shall we say, attitude um, if you measure it against what is driving markets upwards, which which we all know specifically offshore, is anything to do with 
text, so they will have their day. Um, mm -hmm. And if I, and with a longer term view, I think that you're not going to be sorry having it five years from now. Okay. Um, I'm going to get to stock picks now uh, to give us a bit of time. And actually, this uh, is a question from a viewer that uh, talks exactly to your stock pick this evening, Jared, which is Coulter. Uh, the question being, and we're talking about financial services companies, so that's another option. What do the panel think of Coulter PLC if the UK economy is to improve? Surely Coulter would be a direct beneficiary. Jared. Uh, sure. I, I think most certainly it would be a beneficiary. So, um, I mean, the UK economy has been under a lot of pressure in terms of inflationary pressure on the consumer. Interest rates are significantly higher than they were uh, two years ago. And as kind of mortgage rates reset, that creates additional pressure on the consumer. So what you've seen is you know, with lower disposable income, the ability to uh, save has been challenged and net flows across uh, the wealth management businesses in the UK have been under pressure. That coupled with weak market levels, uh, with this being a market-focused business, has uh, seen I mean, margins and earnings in the business come under pressure, and subsequently it has sold off. I, mean, we, I think Pulte is a tremendous opportunity at these levels, just because of you mean the installed advisor base of I mean, one and a half thousand advisors, the second largest um, advisory network in the UK. I mean, it's got 100 billion assets under management and it's got a brand new investment platform that it spent uh, what is now half its market cap on. So you've got you've got a very strong uh, franchise position. You've got a new CEO who's coming, who's coming at the end of last year with a much more operational focus. They've cut costs well and they're well positioned for the market to turn. I mean, certainly if you do get confidence returning, if you get a bit of net flow and market benefit, I think you'll see the operating margins open up and you'll see significant earnings growth. Mm. I mean, that coupled with a positive corporate activity market in terms of uh, some of the recent deals that we've seen announced, I mean, Rathbones and Investex merger, we've seen a number of other muted deals, private equity uh, funds consolidating advice networks, just makes a positive backdrop as well and, and kind of uh, confirms the value of the advice network that the business has got. So, I mean, overall, we've got a positive view on the stock and certainly if it gets a bit of market help, uh, we think is a good story there. Uh, and Rikus, uh, just your thoughts on Coulter, I mean, uh, with your trading cap on, because it's been quite disappointing and frustrating, I think, for, for people who think, OK, there should be these things working in its favour. So, uh, OK, the, the tough interest rate environment aside, um, do you think it's going to break out of what it's been doing, which has sort of been bouncing between a, a fairly confined range for quite a long time? Well, um, as I agree with Jared as, as far as the quality of the company is concerned. Um, what they're sitting with is the UA economy, is the United Kingdom economy, and that's still looking, um, yeah, well, <laughs> I think out of the whole, out of the all, uh, whole Western European sector, I mean, that's really the one that's lagging. But then obviously also have the biggest potential to recover when they do start recovering. Um, so in that sense, court is perfectly positioned for that recovery. When it's going to happen, not sure, but um, I just think it can't go on, the UK can't go on like it's doing at the moment. So something will break and hopefully in an upward direction, just um, policy-wise. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, what about your stock pick this evening, Rikas? Um, Supergroup, they came out with a trading update today, 20 to 27% increase in earnings per share and positive cash flow. It's an interesting story. Um, the past few years, they've been um, streamlining their operations as far as technology is concerned. They've done quite a big investment in that. 
Um, and that, I think, has changed their earnings profile from, you know, the traditional way they used to run, oper run operation to, to formal, um, for, for less dependent on, um, on moving parts and more on getting the right thing in the right place at the right time. Mm. Having this kind of result in this kind of uh, environment over the past year, um, I think that's starting to bear fruit. Um, and secondly, the, the operations in, um, in Australia is also doing very well, SG Fleet. They will, in the end, need a growing world economy, but I think they're very much suited to that. And, mm. and I've been wrong about this one before, but, I, but I, as I said, I think the whole operational change that they've had is starting to come through in earnings. Yeah. And um, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for that. Okay, we shall leave it there then. Um, Jared Rickers, thanks very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, Jared Houston is from All Weather Capital. Rickers Reardis is from PSG Wealth Ramsach. And up next, the close with Bloomberg. Stay with us. Thank <laughs> you.